You're listening to episode 26 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. My name's Andrew. I am Eli. And listeners, we've got our next epic series starting for you today. Oh man, I gotta drum up some theme music, some like from okay he's still going so yeah that was that was a little too long but seriously we've been working on this series all of 2018 it's true it's been a labor of love and it's still going yeah that's right and it's going to keep going in the 2019 but some of the some of the feedback we've gotten from you listeners has been uh, we love hearing, you love hearing from local people in some of our interviews. That's right. And so really based off of that, we thought, what if we just started, started to um, interview people of different nationalities here locally about their nationalities? Um, and so there, the fact that there are over 40 nationalities maybe 50 across the North Caucasus means this will be a very long, no, we're not doing all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there are some, some larger um, people groups also a little easier for us to access, probably less than a dozen. um, And we're going to try and talk with representatives from each of them to hear a little more fine grain about the Caucasus. Cause we talk pretty much in broad brush strokes of things that are you know, true across the Caucasus culturally, but there is a lot of specificity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool. Just we've uh, already done a lot of these interviews uh, for this series and it was just rich. I mean, these interviews we had, like we learned so much and I mean, going into every interview, we, you know, had some questions and ideas we wanted to talk about, but like, yeah, you didn't really know. We didn't know what direction it was going to go. And they all go in um, different directions, yeah. Yeah. Um, all good, all good directions. <laughs> <laughs> no, they are. Uh, well, that one went way downhill. No, it, <laughs> not so. Um, but, but it's also, I mean, I've read in the past from historical travel writings and some of the famous quotes about the Caucasus that, you know, each, each village is a, is a different world particularly in places like Dagestan. Right. But you really feel that when you talk with people from different people groups. They're sharing from, it's like a different world that, that yeah. you're talking to. And they're our next door neighbors and they share a lot, but there's some distinction. So all that to say, uh, it's really colorful. And, and just so you know, we're not going to be doing this as a single block of like a dozen interviews over months and months. We're going to be spreading right. these out and sprinkling our, our broadcasts with them. Okay, so before we before we dive in uh, to the the first of this series, by the way, this series is called we're calling it in their own words, aptly named. And uh, so uh, before we dive into that, we got a segment. We got a, an apology and a segment. Oh, that's right. First, the apology. Uh, so we know how much you guys were have been just loving uh, the Leskinka episodes and. Um, learning about this dance and hopefully trying it yourself and watching the YouTube videos. <laughs> trying, to, trying to imagine it just from our verbal explanation. We just know you <laughs> love that. Yeah. But we, at the end of our, um, I think it was episode 25, our second one in the series about the Les Ginkgo, we promised that we had an interview coming up with a local female Caucasus 
uh, girl. And, and it's still coming up. <laughs> yes. Uh, Eli and his family uh, just recently had to travel out of the Caucasus uh, for a couple months. And so it was just kind of crazy last month. We weren't able to, to fit that one in. So that's our apology. It will be forthcoming. We will interview a local Les Ginker. <laughs> yeah. And man, I, uh, Sunday night, this past Sunday night, I went to a local Les Ginker show with my two daughters. Oh, man. And I was noticing everything. everything. Yes. All, the finger positions, yes. the toes, the like eyes. the different ways they held their hands. It was, it was awesome. Rich. It was like cool. really, I experienced it at a different level. This is a great example of how in any particularly art form, when you don't understand it, it's often hard to like it. Yes. But when you come to understand it, you can at least engage with it and appreciate it if you don't even, even if you don't personally prefer it. But as soon as you learn about it, you know, from, from abstract impressionism to, you know, painting to classical music to Liz Ginka dance to graffiti. I mean, when you learn about yes. it, yeah. then you can start to uh, understand it. So that's great. Not just any art form. That goes for sports too. I'd say, Do you know you- what immediately came to my mind? Mm, what golf yeah because didn't yeah and anybody who doesn't play golf just ridicules and mocks it until Uh, don't knock it till you try it that's true and i i cannot tell you how many conversations i've had with people where from the get-go i had to be defending golf as like (laughs) a real sport and a difficult sport hey i've (laughs) never been that person um yeah but I the more that. you appreciate it, the more the you, know, more you understand it, the more you appreciate it. You know, My parents sent us to tennis camp many years in a row when we were young, which was basically like torture children in broad sunlight in the middle <laughs> of the day. <laughs> the, you know, it's like they, they put you laterally across the, the courts where there's three courts in a row and they like run to every line and back. So that's one, two, three, four, five per court times three. Uh, it's called suicides. It's called yeah. suicides. It's to do that in basketball practice. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but I love watching tennis. I mean, oh. I was never like I was never even on a team. But you, it gets yeah, it gets in you. Golf is not my favorite to watch. But that's our apology. I have a news minute, Andrew. So here's a news story. It's called Willpower at Work. This spring... Did you, did you name that yourself? A guy... No. It's the name of the article. <laughs> so this guy, this spring, he walked... He's from Dagestan, and he walked a 10-kilometer route from the city of Kaspisk to Mahachkala, the capital. In Dagestan. In Dagestan. Da- yeah. How, and how did he do it? He walked it on his hands. <laughs> that is so awesome. So 10 kilometers? 10 kilometers, it's about six miles. His name's wow. Suleiman Magomedov, and he's 53 years old. Oh, man. And it took him 12 hours. That 12 hours straight walking on his hands. And you can go to the, go to the show notes, click the link, and watch the video. Now, now he took breaks, and, but like, so what? 
I mean, who, which, who among us is going to be like, oh, that guy took breaks. It doesn't really count. You know, if you're going to do it, just do it without stopping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no one can say that. Yeah. But what's cool about this, I mean, it's so it's a little bit just like absurd and ridiculous to think about that and then to actually do it. Um, Didn't he, when he, he like made like a Guinness World Book of Record, right? Oh, right. So, right. So that's first of all, he now <laughs> is qualified. <laughs> Yeah, for a Guinness Book of of Records. Another one to the caucuses. Ding. Like, chalk that one up. When they interview him, he's like, I wanted to give an example to our youth about strength and, like, commitment and and setting your mind to it. Whoa. I mean, that's a cool reason to do something totally insane like that, in my view. That's, That's really cool. He's loved sports and yoga his whole life. So now you know... Core strength can take you somewhere. <laughs> Keep up the planks. Can you imagine is, how strong his wrists are? I can, well, that's not all. Just as like uh, to add to it, the report says he can also do a, a one finger push up. <laughs> <laughs> he can swallow swords and it says, quote, <laughs> he feels quite comfortable resting on nails. <laughs> This guy, we need to get him. <laughs> we on We need to talk. get him on the show. Wow, that's I mean, amazing! But that is like such a window into this culture. I mean, we already talked about the grandma bending bronze bars and you know whatever else. This is just par for the course. To use a golf analogy, Suleiman, we salute you. <laughs> All right, that's we'll my po- episode. That's my uh, segment. Willpower at work, baby. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, awesome. Well, without further ado, listeners, here is our first episode of In Their Own Words, and you are going to be hearing from the Russians today. Listeners, give it up for our first Russian guests on the Caucus Talk Pod Show, Andre and Irina. Welcome. Pod Show? Pod Show? You said a pod show. Podcast. Never on heard of a on the show. television box, <laughs> they do say on. I guess we say English too. I was saying Russian. They actually say on TV, and then I realized I, I just totally butchered that. Made it. It was. It was going to be so much more climactic. In case you missed it, listeners, <laughs> we have guests. We have our first <laughs> Russian guests, all the way from Siberia. Andre and Arena, welcome. Hello. Hello. All right. Yeah. Thank you. So now, I, I when he, you said that, yeah. I said we've had Russians. And we've had Russian citizens, yes, but these are Russian, like ethnically Russians. That's right. That's so, right. So everyone else has been of a different nationality. So so far uh, in episode four, we had a Karachai or Karachai guest mm-hmm. uh, here in the North Caucasus, and then in another episode <laughs> <laughs> about uh, Russian literature in the yeah. North Caucasus. I want to say twelve, but we interviewed Lucina, who is Armenian. Yes. And then in episode 17, 17 we interviewed Takir, who is Bokar. Right. Bokar, uh, also here from the North Caucasus. But this are, these are actually our first Russian guests. And just to clarify, listeners, there are many Russians who live here in the North Caucasus. Even though there are many nationalities here, you know, in Dagestan and Chechnya, uh, there are many Ru- – this is Russia. So there are many Russians here, and I'm glad we have we – have, mm-hmm. The Russian race, the Russian people, the Russian nation represented here today. That's right. So Andre time. and Arena, 
Tell us a little about yourselves. Where are you from? Tell us about your families. What do you do? Why don't you start? Okay. Um, <clears throat> I was, I grew up in Kazakhstan, okay. northern part of it, and the climate there is much like the part of Siberia where we, here and I met. Barren. And uh, no, 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 nothing like Lunar. that. Lunar. Cold winter all year. Actually, I have to explain to you guys, when you, thought about, when you think about Siberia, you need to understand that the, the land is bigger than the territory of Canada. Wow. Man. So, yeah, so that makes sense. You that puts to, Canada in its place. <laughs> so you need to understand that when people, some, someone says he's from Siberia, that's it, where exactly it's like what part of Canada, you know, for that's example. That's a really good point. To, Toronto or somewhere close to Northern Pole or Alaska. Wow. We Dif- relate different to that. climates. People ask generally about the US, like, like our, our babushka in our building, which is our like resident grandmother. She's mm. not our grandmother, but she's the old lady who. But she is your grandmother. She, she, <laughs> she has made herself our grandmother, and you know, she it's her job to scold us when we do things wrong. She won't be listening to this podcast. She, <laughs> we love her, uh, and she um, wants to know, like, is it hot in America? And I'm like. Yes. <laughs> I just say yes. But it's the same thing. It's like, well, sometimes in some places. So I, I relate yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good good point. So you're from so you grew up you grew up during the time of the Soviet Union, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So that this is a good point uh for our listeners to understand. When the Soviet Union was still together, Russians and all the nationalities within the Soviet Union lived in all these different countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, good. So you grew up there. Were you? Did you grow up in Astana? Astana. No, 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 no. Astana. No. I grew up in a place where uh, these those guys um, ex- experimented with nuclear weapons. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like you guys had fireworks. in Nevada. Yeah, we that's had right. It right there. Wow, Area Fifty One. <laughs> that's aliens. No, of course, Palatinsk. Everybody knows that. Okay. Because I've, I've been to Astana. So no yeah, side effects. Oh, no okay. side effects on your hair or your brain or no, anything. No, 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 no. Everything's okay. Thankfully, somewhere just don't mention his third eye. I think or something. <laughs> they, they, uh, American president and um, I think Brezhnev. They signed a contract saying that there's, there'll be no more nuclear explosions uh, in the air, in the water, just uh, underground, on the land, just down below the ground. Underground. We're all huh. thankful for yeah. that. After that. Things have changed drastically okay. for people who live nearby. And for better or for worse? For better. <laughs> okay. So. But that's when your family My dad is 80. <laughs> wow. he, he worked at some of the places like All right. that. That's yeah. awesome. He's got a strong immune system. <laughs> <laughs> and Irina, where are you from? I am originally from Siberia. I was born there and I grew up there. And I met my husband there and I had... My kids there, and man, <laughs> so Siberia is yeah my, I, my place. <laughs> I mean, I know we're going to talk about like, we're talking about stereotypes, but like it just it sounds so exotic. It really does, <laughs> even right now. Like, oh, you're from Siberia. <laughs> yeah. Yes, there are some stereotypes, but yeah, most people think that it's a cold place and it's like cold all the year round. Yeah, of course it's a stereo- stereotype, but it is cold. Siberia is yeah. cold. <laughs> you have snow five five to six months a year. Okay. I, snow. Just five or six. Snow. We're not talking winter five to six. We're talking snow. So five I actually thought longer than that. Five or no, six no, months. In our place, south, at south southwest okay. of Siberia. Yeah. It's, it can start 
mid of November, start of November, and it's gone sometime in April. Okay. Sometimes in March. It Depends. might snow. It might snow in October. But yeah, we had once in in, in May. <laughs> that was <Wow. laughs> that was funny. Wow. Yeah. So it is cold, and the winter is long. So that's why maybe most people think that it's a cold place. Yeah. Because it like when it's still snowy in March or sometimes April, people are a little tired of the winter. <laughs> but let's be honest. When it gets like how cold is normal. In the winter. Normal, normal for Siberia in yeah, the winter. For you guys. You have to. Out? Uh, for, the temperature of for us personally. Yeah. Like in a normal midwinter day would be what? Minus 20. Minus 20 Celsius. So, <laughs> no, no, no. No big deal. From 10 to 20. From 10 to 20. <laughs> that's oh, a yeah. normal, that's a typical temperature. Yeah. Uh, okay. Statistically. So yeah. that's cold. I mean, I know I'm not yeah, saying it's for, cold. For you. most Americans, that's really cold. <laughs> but that's like Minnesota. Yeah. After right? three yeah. weeks, you'll yes, get used is. to it. And no. when it gets to, build, uh, get to zero, through. you'll think, oh, that's okay. That's Minnesotan. <laughs> so my my family lived in Minnesota. And that's uh, where you get yeah. the extreme cold in the yes. U.S. And w- as soon as it hit like plus three, mm-hmm. people are in T-shirts and they're mowing their grass. And, <laughs> and everyone else is like, it's still cold. But... <laughs> They didn't get the memo. It, you know, it's funny. I have several good friends from Minnesota, and Minnesotans consistently say that their state is colder than Russia or colder than Siberia. Uh, so, like, that's their reference point for That's Americans. not true. That's just uh, not true. Okay, okay. The perspective. Right. I can give you a joke. Uh, there's a, they say there's a, an African guy who came to Novosibirsk to study. He calls his mama back to Africa, and he says, and mom says, how's the weather there like? And she, he says, well... Uh, you know, there are these, uh, there are, is there summer? No, mom, there is no summer. It's just two winters. What do you mean? <laughs> there's a, he says, there's a green summer. Uh, there's a green winter and, and then a white, a, winter. A white winter. <laughs> that is really funny. That is funny. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, obviously you guys speak really good English. Um, so tell us like, how did your English get to this level? Tell listeners a little about what you do for your day jobs. We both went to the same university. Um, okay. in Siberia, in Novosibirsk. Uh, Is that where you met? <gasps> no. No. In English class? No. He remembers that she doesn't. Well, typical story, don't you think? Uh, uh, Andre just blanked when he asked that question. <laughs> oh, that was you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> there are always two stories when you ask your husband Blank stare. about their story. <laughs> just two kinds of stories always. There's a story for that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so we studied English at the university, okay. and it was in the nineties when um, some of the in the nineties when they say the wall, uh, the iron wall was over. Yeah, the right. iron wall fell down. Iron fell fell yeah. down. Uh, the country opened for the foreigners, and uh, yeah. because Novosibirsk is a big city, mm. we had some foreigners come to Novosibirsk, okay. and one of them was even teaching. Well, there probably were several of them teaching at right. the university. Yeah. I had one as a teacher. So it was a good experience to hear like real mm-hmm. uh, English from a native speaker. Uh-huh. Where was your teacher helped. from? She was from either Georgia or Alabama. All right. Yeah, that's the, the purest English in <laughs> Georgia, Alabama. Well, that's where I'm I from the go. South. Here it goes. <laughs> we'll just anyway. let that we'll just let that ride. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yes, because before that, uh, we um, um, we could only hear our teachers speaking English, or 
the old, old, like, tapes. Oh, wow. With uh, some of the fairy tales. Like, I remember listening to Cinderella in English. Wow. <laughs> Things like that. But uh, listening to the natives helped yeah. a lot. And then I worked as an interpreter for some of the Americans coming to Nova okay. And that also helped improve wow. the... I, mean, I was going to say a lot of people take English at university, but they don't come out speaking or sounding like sure. you. Sure, yeah, yeah. So you guys uh, help run an English language center here in Pitigorsk, our city. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long have you been? Did you do anything like that in Novosibirsk, and how long have you been doing that here, teaching English? We started doing it here right, right from the get go when we moved in, and um, uh, back in Siberia, I just I was a teacher at the same kind of a school um even since the time when i was a student at the university okay all right so let me just make the link because i don't know if you said it at the beginning you probably did and i was off somewhere in my mind but <laughs> so because you introduced our guests as they're site they're from siberia but they live here that's right and that therein is the interest because up to now people might not have caught yeah that and so wondered tell why us we're- how many years have you guys lived here in Pitigorsk and Pitigorsk, most Russians would say, is the Kafkaz or the North Caucasus. Mm-hmm. So how long have you lived here in the North Caucasus? This fall, it'll be six years. Six years. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So walk us through the process. Before you moved here, you decided to move here. And I'm sure you had either heard things about the North Caucasus, there were like stereotypes in your head, and probably your friends were saying, things. why are you moving there? <laughs> So, like, what were some of the things going through your mind? What were you expecting when you came here? Because you probably, it's just like in America. I'm from the South. Every, uh, everybody has uh, opinions about the South, about Southerners, and stereotypes about Southerners. Uh, so, like, what were some of the things going through your mind when you were moving to the North Caucasus? Well, when you, you have a word in English called uprooting your family. Yes. Yeah, that's the thing that we had to do because all our friends, here is... Uh, your parents were uh, were were not alive at that at that time, mm. and my parents didn't don't live in Siberia and never. Uh, <clears throat> so it was a it was not an easy decision. Yeah, and uh, even even though I uh, grew up in Kazakhstan, by the time we mo- we moved away. I lived there 25 years or something. Okay, so, so half, that was really half of home. my life. Yeah, so you can imagine. The network of friends and everything, you know, sure. you know how to do things. Mm. So that was a little scary. Uh, you, you know, you, you go to a place, you don't know anything, almost nothing, you know, very yeah. little. And um, um, the friends were sad. Uh, some of them said they thought that we were uh, looking for a warmer place, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The climate that people do uh, here say the climate is better. Don't let that bother you. <laughs> no. I didn't have a lot of stereotypes. So what I knew was that we are going to a place with um, lots of different nationalities. Right. And um, the, the climate, uh, we knew that. It's a warmer climate. Right. And it's a small town uh, okay. in comparison with a big city. Um. We were a little concerned uh, that it's close to Chechnya. Can I say that? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah. there were some fears involved, right. I would say. So yeah. because of some of the stereotypes that it's. Yeah. I think when most Russians who don't live here think Caucasus, they think Chechens. Yeah. 
any I, others? I didn't think this way. Okay. For for one, I I was here uh, for like a few a week maybe or so in two thousand two. Uh-huh. So I got to see people around in okay. Piatigorsk, even the place where where we live and we work now. And um, shop just uh, I didn't didn't notice much of a difference. Sure. It yeah. was a it was a short stay. Okay. So to me, it was like yeah, it's a part of Russia, just Caucasus, right? And uh, there's a history of uh, dramatic war that happened twenty right. years ago or less, and it's just you you remember that we we, we followed the news as sure. much as we could. Yeah. So it was a war, right? Yeah. yeah. So now that you've lived here six years, who are some of the different nationalities you've encountered just every day, either at work or at your your kids' schools. We mostly encounter Armenians. Okay. So in, and uh, Russians, most of the people come to the school, uh, most of the people who come to our school are either Russians or Armenians. Really? Okay. Yes, there's a, there's a, maybe. A few. There's a few of other nationalities, but I don't know why maybe mostly Russians and Armenians are interested in teaching well, their kids English too, or primarily Russians and Armenians. Yeah. I, I feel like I meet more Armenians here than Russians <laughs> consistently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Most of our teachers are mm. Armenians and our partners, our business partners are also Armenians. So, yes. My oldest daughter, she said that there are two Chechen, Chechen girls, uh, her, her classmates. Yeah. Right. And she knows some about their religion. She text, tells some that things. That representative. Her. I think that's true yeah. for our, In our kids too. Yeah. Roughly. Huh. <laughs> so describe to us some, um, like, when you moved here, you came from a very just kind of Russian part of Russia. Uh, and you moved here to the Caucasus, many nationalities. Uh, what would you say, what were some of the things when you first came here that surprised you, like, that made you realize this is a different part of Russia? The first thing I would say that struck me when we moved here that uh, I, when I go outside, I can hear different languages uh-huh. being spoken. Yeah. yeah, and it's not like that in Siberia. You go outside, you would hear mostly Russian. Right. And here, I, I was like, I don't understand what you people are saying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what language you are right. speaking. <laughs> that's that's a good observation. I mean, we speak a different language. English is our native language. So when I'm walking around with my kids, I'm speaking English with them. But when people hear us speaking, they turn their heads and look, you know, because they know it's not a Caucasus language. Mm-hmm. It's, most people can recognize English or they know it's a foreign language. <laughs> mm-hmm. But here in the Caucasus, you might, most Russians will hear a Caucasus language, but they won't think twice because that's just normal here mm-hmm. to hear a Dagestani language or Chechen or Kabardin. Yeah. It's just normal to hear those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a okay. That's a good point. Heck, I was speaking Russian, and I said the word McDonald's for where the taxi should drop us off, and he said, oh, "Are you from America?" <laughs> I got all defensive. I'm like, "I don't, I don't eat there often." But my wife said, Busted. "She said it's the way you said McDonald's." Yeah, uh-huh. I was that's like, right. I thought, oh, I said Mick. People turn their heads no matter what language they're speaking here, <laughs> English, right. English or Russian. I'm interested culturally because I. Know that you can, there are colder climates often produce certain kinds of cultures, mm-hmm. or at least the way people relate. That's not always true, but I'm curious if there was a difference just in kind of street manners or how people interact with one another 
um, kind of day-to-day basis, rubbing elbows mm-hmm. here from up there or not. Well, I guess my Siberian guys will argue with me. But <laughs> I felt that the, the people on the trams were my, more polite, uh, more willing. There were more people willing to give up their seats where? to help uh, elder people here than uh-huh, okay. back in, in where. So uh-huh. tram, tram is like um, a tramvai, like a trolley, like public transport mm-hmm. in the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. it's, and it's pretty regular that if... If elderly people or or passengers with children yeah. get on board, you yeah. stand up out of your seat if, if you're able. Yeah, yeah that's, I that's got to see people standing up, giving their seats to me. Oh, no. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do I look that old? Is that happening? Really? It yeah, that's, that happened times. the other day. We were, yeah. Are you allowed to just like scowl at them? Like, I don't need your seat. <laughs> no, or, no, yeah. He was <laughs> polite. Yeah, oh, listeners, these guys are young. They're... <laughs> Uh, forty-five. <laughs> yeah, you're you're young. Uh, so um, young. I wouldn't give up my seat for you, Andre. <laughs> Never. <laughs> <laughs> it was a younger guy. He was. Yeah, it, I I would agree that there's more respect. I would I I've noticed more respect for the elderly wow. here in the Caucasus mm-hmm. than yeah. there's in Siberia. So. Well, let's let's stop there. That's. I mean, so. You didn't actually. You didn't just notice that people stood up and gave their seats. What you noticed through that was its respect for older older people. And I think that's something Christy and I, and my wife, really notice here is, um, people do those things, not just to be polite, but it's out of respect for the older generation. Whether you, I mean, I've walked in the rooms where people stood up when I walked in the room, made me feel old, you know, mm-hmm. but it's just because I was older than them. I think it's just because you're tall. They're trying to get to see your face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that's a, that's a really good observation. Yeah. Definitely, definitely way more than in the U.S. in general. It, you know, and, and there's a difference between polite and respect. I mean, polite is more of an action, you know, and a bit more surfacey respect, I think, runs deeper as a value. Yeah. Um, and that definitely seems to be pretty live and well. And it's tied in with one's honor. You know, if some elderly person gets on the tram and you just sit there and stare at them, you look like a slob, huh. you know? And I think people are a little more concerned about, huh. yeah, their own people, honor. That's good. Yeah. So we talked about the climate of Siberia and the Caucasus. What about, like, the land? Well, uh, you need to understand that living in in southern Siberia, we quite often visited the Altai Mountains. Okay. Oh, uh, it's so, a serious mountain range. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. well. Explain. Probably most of our listeners don't know where those mountains are. Where are those geographically? <sighs> They're southeastern do, Tiberia. Do they right know Tibet? <laughs> I don't know. You need to explain, I guess. It's t- do you know Tibet? <laughs> yeah. Tibet. Right. Okay. okay. If you That's go helpful. north from it, yeah. you'll, you'll get, well, the mountains get lower and lower. At some point, it's parts of uh, China, parts of Russia, which are part of Kazakhstan and gotcha. other stands. Okay. And so uh, Altai is region of uh, Russian Federation. Okay. So 13, how long? 13, 14 hour drive by... 13 uh, depends hours. Depends what vehicle you have. Maybe yeah, that's you, like you, a, you in, get there. In Siberia, yeah. that's a short commute, listeners. <laughs> 13 or 14 hour drive. <laughs> yeah. They may as well have said only 13 hours drive. <laughs> Yes, and you just you're there in the mountains, and we hiked the mountains. Okay. We, we camped. We really, really loved it. I really love um, ca- uh, mountains. So when we came here, I already there. I I enjoy mountains. That's awesome. <laughs> Minus the thirteen hour drive. 
Let me just ask. I know. Speaking of stereotypes, but seriously, if you say to someone, "I've got to drive 13 hours to go somewhere," from mm. where you're from in, in Siberia, what's the general response? Like, no big deal. Let's go. We'll be there by tonight. <laughs> no, not that fast. <laughs> but yes, people plan. They they love going places. And so uh, it's like, oh, 13 hours, cool. It's yeah, okay. it's not yeah. like every month you would do that. No, but sure. But the people wouldn't roll their eyes and gasp and and. Because I know people for whom 13 hours of travel is something they've never, not only have they never tried, they've never even thought about. Right? And I <laughs> yeah. mean, that's in the U.S. where you can drive 13 hours and still be in the same country and people do it. And then you speak to Europeans <laughs> where like 13 hours is like a different continent. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you go that far. No, right, but- you'll cross how many countries? <laughs> <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Siberia awesome. is a big place and yeah. because big. it's cold and uh, there's people, Siberian people love to spend their vacation at the sea. Okay. Uh, which, which sea? Black Sea. The Black, the Black sea. sea. Yes. They would go to the Black Sea. They would travel to the Black Sea. Some of them would travel by car. Oh, I don't know how, wow. how long it takes. But oh. Three days, three nights. Yeah. Big, <laughs> they would take their family and travel to the Black Sea. Or maybe the train, the famous Russian train. Yeah, the famous Russian train, yes. Yeah. We, we did that twice, I think. But it takes, it can take three days by train or so, four days by yeah. train to Down get to, to the, the Black Sea. Yes. Wow. Yeah, from so you guys, um, so when you came to the Caucasus, because you're not that far from the Altai Mountains in southern Siberia, it wasn't really that much of a shock to you, kind of the nature here, the landscape. Mm. For me, no. For me, it was more like a okay. shock because uh, I, the landscape in Siberia is more like flat. the, it, yes, it is flat. Yeah. And uh, it is very different from the landscape here. Um, for me, I grew up in the village, so okay. I was outside a lot and we would go and we would go to the forests a lot and to the rivers and I like the flat landscape <laughs> ah, okay. even more, I think, than the mountains. Yeah. There is a song by the Russian singer and he says that, uh, how does it go? Now I'm speaking English. I can't remember. <laughs> just switch over. <laughs> brain freeze. <laughs> Russian English brain freeze. In Russian, it sounds like and it means that there is like, there's only one thing better than the mountains, which the is mountains. mountains. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. So, this is a very, very, very well-known uh, uh, songwriter. What is his name? Vysotsky. Ah, Vysotsky. Yeah, yeah, he's a classic. You've heard of him. Yeah, he is a classic. But for me, uh, the flat landscape is something that gives me peace, I would say. It's more peaceful for me. The mountains bring a lot of emotions. Emotions. Emotions, emotions and energy. Yes. Huh. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I don't know if we talked about it on in an earlier episode or not, but recently, or a while ago, I guess, I was having a conversation with someone about, about music in the Caucasus, mm-hmm. and this was a someone, a, a local, and they said the Caucasus music tends to be high energy. Yes, it is. Fast, a lot of notes, <laughs> um, high tempo, and not to mention the dance and as very high energy. And they said it's like water... Like mm-hmm. the water in the mountains, yeah. it comes rushing down mm-hmm. in this torrent. Mm-hmm. But much of the music from other parts of the country is more like a broad, gentle, slow, strong mm-hmm. river, you know. And it's got a whole different feel. The arts there, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting to hear you 
reflect that personally, that you just feel those mm. emotions more um, than the peace of the flatlands. Man, that that makes me want to go to Siberia. <laughs> I was I was going to say, that makes me want to turn the Les Ginka on and see Ira dance to it. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Irina I bet it's pretty, pretty calm. <laughs> so tell us, so you've lived here six years now. You mentioned about you have noticed kind of the respect for the elderly. Um, even just in public, you've noticed that. Are there other things, having lived here as a Russian from another part of Russia, that you've noticed that are different about Caucasus people than Russians that you like about Caucasus people? Uh, maybe something you've even either learned from Caucasus people or maybe you see yourself even changing after living here six years. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would say, for, like for an example, for me, um, I've learned so much about hospitality here in the North Caucasus. Uh, I've, we've been guests many times in our friends' homes, and we've had many Caucasus friends here. And one thing I've always seen is how, like, when you leave a Caucasus person's home, they'll, they'll walk you out. If you're in a village, sometimes they'll walk you out of the village. Sometimes they'll drive you all the way back to your house. But, like, this uh, concept of pravajat, pravajating. Uh, kind of, pravajating? Pravajating. <laughs> That's what he Sorry, said. everyone on both sides. <laughs> but uh, like it shows, it makes me feel so honored and appreciated as the guest from that person's home. And they're seeing me off until they know I'm in good hands, you know? So like, that's something people in America don't do. And even like, there's been times in America, I feel like my feet are glued to the floor when I'm waving bye to somebody at my front door. Whereas here, like I just automatically walk outside with them, like to their car, and see them off, you know. So mm-hmm. that that's kind of what I'm talking about. It's something I've picked up here that I really like. Mm-hmm. Are there any things like that? The family networks here are more close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then in Siberia, mm. family is such a big thing for the Caucasian people. Mm. And in Siberia, only your immediate family matters. Um, but here it's like my cousins and my second cousins and my aunts and my second and third and definitely yep. aunts and uncles. And so we are all a big family. They look at the weddings they have, like uh, yeah. 300 people and they consider the them all yeah. sort of it's, close it's a small family. wedding. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and that's what we've noticed. And um, especially as we moved and uh, we don't have a family here, like a family circle here and mm. I've noticed that uh, on, on holidays, people would celebrate with their family as a big family. And mm. I've noticed here when people say uh, in Russian, it's, uh, oh, that's my brat, mm-hmm. brat, which is brother in Russian. But they're almost always talking about a second, third, or fourth cousin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but they just say the word brat or mm-hmm. sistra for sister. And I, I think that's significant that like, that person is just important to them as like one of their biologic brothers and sisters. Right. And I've, I definitely say I've, I've thought about that a lot too, how I was, I'm not as close to my cousins and even, you know, it's probably a bad thing on my part, but I don't feel as strongly about them as like my biologic brothers and sisters. But here I feel like it's almost the same amount of affection for any family member, you know? Guess your cousins aren't listening then. <laughs> or not anymore. Love you guys. <laughs> Miss you. Whatever your names are. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. What about, uh, tell us, 
I'm a, I know you guys have traveled a little bit here in the North Caucasus. Do you have any favorite places you like to go to? What are some of your favorite places you've been here in the North Caucasus or any places you've been? Uh, we've been to we've been to uh, Dubai, to Arhus, to Prilbrusia. These are three places you can explain more. Yeah. Um, I really love the places and especially like one cafeteria in Dubai <laughs> village. Uh. It's just so such a Great local food. That's uh, awesome. When I go there, I just ex- I have expectation. I'm looking forward Each to visit that place. No, no, hold on. <laughs> what, this is Balkar food then, probably. Or Karachai food. Or, I'm sorry, Karachai. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and you, had you ever had that before you came down here? No. Do you remember when you first encountered some of the local food, what your impressions were? And how you feel now? Because <laughs> I do. But, <laughs> uh, we didn't have... Anything that I didn't like, I ditto. Yeah, is shashlik a big deal in Siberia? Is that well, yeah? It's like a big deal everywhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Yes, but just checking. Remember, we talked about this episode seven shashlik. It a lot of it originated from the Kafkaz. That's true. The yeah, word the itself means little yeah. lamb. Yeah, um, and, and still, pe- people in Russia um, they think that the shashlik here in the Caucasus is the best. Ah. Uh. They would agree to that, I think. Even pe- if they have tried, <laughs> yeah. if they have, if they have tried it, yes, they. Most Russians would say that they have the best chashlik here in the Caucasus. All right, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah. But like one, one Uzbek, a guy from Uzbekistan in in Siberia, he said that they they brought the real how do you call it oven? It's not how do you call it uh, the grill. The they they this this made of like cement big, thing, uh, huge like round thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they brought it over from Uzbekistan to Siberia. They brought even the bread, even the, all the <laughs> spices and everything. They brought just wanted so badly to make the bread taste as it tastes. Back in Uzbekistan, yeah. back home. Wow. They did it. And they said, no, different taste. Different taste. They ah. said that. <laughs> so now I'm thinking, okay, I guess if you want to really taste the food, you just go to that particular yeah, place, to that particular <laughs> altitude <laughs> in the mountains where you'll get this taste. <laughs> so I got to get this cafe. You can have the Dubai. same dish somewhere <laughs> here in Petrogorsk. It never it's tastes it. the same. No, never. No, even it, close. Kachini in Dubai is much, uh, this particular di- dish, you can call it a dish or something. Yeah. yeah is the best, I think. You can't uh-huh. get. That was in Pitigorsk. Oh, my <laughs> mouth is watering. That's a great pitch. So Hichini, I don't know if we've talked about it, but it's like a, it's kind of like a pizza looking dish, but it's basically dough with cheese inside, or it could be greens or potatoes. No meat. Yeah, meat. And it's a very, Hichini is the Bokor Karachai mm-hmm. specialty. In Dubai, Arhiz, where these guys have been. My mouth is That's watering. That's a good pitch. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I, Sarah... You consistently hear from, especially Caucasus guys, they'll say like, like we've done shashlik many times here on Mashu, Kiran Pitigorsk, and they'll say, Andrew, this was great, but you got to come to the mountains where I'm from and have it there. <laughs> oh, that's the best shashlik where mm-hmm. we're from mm-hmm. up in the mountains, you know? It's yeah, <laughs> so true. I would believe. Yeah. yeah, I believe it too. Cool. Well, this was really great, guys. Um, is there anything, did you have any like burning stories that you wanted to share? Yeah. You're right. I actually remember a story you told me one time. You flew, so you lived for six years, but you flew uh-huh. to St. Petersburg. Yeah. And explain like the feeling it was just based on what you were noticing with the people around you. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, so when we moved here, I thought I was moving, moving to Russia. 
So <laughs> Caucasus, I thought that Caucasus is Russia, but um, then I realized that somehow it's so different. I didn't even think, I didn't realize before moving here how different it is. Uh-huh. And um, well said. <laughs> I even heard from one lady, I was talking to one lady, and she was saying, oh, they are in Russia. And I was like, where are we now? Uh, we are not in Russia? <laughs> and she was like, no, Caucasus is not Russia. Okay. And <laughs> Interesting. People, people do say that here. Yeah, people say that here. And uh, I had an experience after four years living here, I think, or three years living here. And I was flying to St. Petersburg. I was on the bus what do you call this bus taking yep. you to the play and i was on the bus and then i suddenly noticed uh, this strange feeling i couldn't understand the feeling i haven't encountered this this feeling for a long time <laughs> uh, and i looked around and there were only russians on that bus yeah huh. and it does it when you fly for, to moscow from here you would be in the same plane or on the same bus with a lot of nationalities. I don't know why, right. but yeah. going to St. Petersburg uh, on maybe that particular day, that particular flight, right. only Russians were there. And, and I was like, wow, interesting, because I felt lighter. I don't know, like I, sure. didn't, I didn't have this something on my shoulders, mm-hmm. some kind of... Oh, I feel, feel like I, I, I'm home, you know, the feeling. Yeah, I'm, I'm yes. like, oh. <laughs> and yeah. I was surprised huh. myself. And just... Yeah, I am sort of home or something. Sure. And then I realized that, wow. I, yes, it is different. It is not Russia. That is... <laughs> Somehow. I think that's a really insightful anecdote because anyone who's lived long-term cross-culturally probably knows what you're talking about, even if they haven't articulated it. Um, and it's really, it's really um, noticeable uh, on the return like that first time and that yeah. feeling what I connected to is you don't know when you're, when you're living cross culturally, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's what you were feeling. You've, you've been living basically to some degree cross culturally, even in your own country. Yeah. Um, and therefore you are processing, you are thinking more, you're evaluating more. You're there's a greater degree of uncertainty in everything. And that can be really exciting. There's a lot of room for growth and learning and new experiences. And it, and it adds up to, a, in my view, a, a net positive. But there, it's a level of energy you're expending. And mm. even a level of stress, you know, background level yeah. that you may not... It's like your computer. You know, there's a program running. And everything else may be a little bit affected by that. And that's just part of living cross-culturally. And when you, when you exit that, all of a sudden, you're like, "Whoa, <laughs> I don't have to do that extra processing." You know, it usually feels pretty good. Wow. That doesn't mean that it's negative to be in that in that cross cultural mm-hmm. place. It just it's um, it can often be just more. Mm. You know, more is going on. Mm-hmm. Yes, Eli often brings very deep insights like that <laughs> into the conversation. I read yeah, it in the book. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was good. That was uh, thanks for sharing that story. Um, I think that's a good good thing to wrap up on, and uh, even. For our listeners, I think that was probably really interesting for them to hear from you guys because even though you're Russians here in Russia, it really was almost like moving not maybe to another country, just a place that's totally different culturally. So we end every interview with our guests with this question. If you could tell the world one thing about the North Caucasus, 
what would you say? I would say it's a great place. Lots of great people. Um, if you want a, a warmer climate from Russia, <laughs> that's the best place, I Come guess. On down. The most southern part, I think. Yeah. And um, yeah. What about you, Irina? Well, people are different here. Uh-huh. And uh, they are more um, emotional. Yeah. Um, and the pace of life in general is different. And mm. Well, this is not one thing. <laughs> that's Maybe okay. not the most, the very, the most important thing. No, 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 don't worry. That's yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Irina and Andre, hopefully you won't be our last Russian guests, uh, Ruski guests, mm-hmm. Russian guests, but you were our first. So thank you for joining us today. Very this much. Was really great. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was yeah. a pleasure. Thank you.